The following is a presentation of the All Andy Elfrin Network. It's powered by Anchor. You are listening to Andy on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network, whether it be on Apple Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Bleaker. However you listen to the show, and whenever you listen to the show, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for giving us your time to listen to what is happening in the sports world as well as what's happening in his everyday life. You can always be a part of our show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyAlfred. It is at AllAndyAlfred and on Facebook.com slash AllAndyAlfred. The views of AllAndyAlfred are those of Andy's and do not reflect the Anchor Network. Happy New Year, everybody. This is a new year in a new show in the new studios of All Andy Alford today, right here on the Anchor Network. A lot to get into since I last chatted with you, of course. We are into the full swing of the NFL playoffs. The Lions season comes to an end with some amazing ending play by the Lions. We'll talk about that while the Browns fall apart. The defending champions in college football are still defending, and they are now a two-peat with Kirby Smart. We'll recap all of college football for you right here. The Jackets are the Jackets, yet again. The worst team officially now in the Eastern Conference. Worst team in the Eastern Conference. While the Walleye struggle at home, And I think I know why they are struggling at home. And we'll get to that in tonight's episode. The LPGA is in Florida as they get ready to start their season with a pro-am. Brooke Henderson and Nellie Corda now a part of TaylorMade Golf. Looks like I'm going to have to be changing my golf balls. And wrestling. Yes, we're talking professional wrestling today as... Did we see last night in AEW the official flip of Tony Storm? We'll talk about that. And so much more on the first season, the first episode of 2023 on All Andy Alfred. Guess who's back? All Andy Alfred. And a shot at a goal. 54 runs in the span of the Shut out. The middle hit to a home run. Go, Jack. That's way back. Put some extra relish on my hot dog. Bear down, Chicago Bears. Choo-choo, it's time for all Andy Alfred. And with that, I say, ah, I love you guys. And welcome into the first show of 2023. Right here on All Andy Alfred, and you are listening to me today on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you are listening, wherever and whenever you're listening. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. Thank you for tuning into the show tonight to listen to what is happening in the sports world as well as what's happening in my everyday life, as you can be a part of the show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyAlfred. It is at AllAndyAlfred, as well as Facebook.com slash AllAndyAlfred. And welcome to the show tonight on this, the first show, on January 19th, 
2023. Lots to get into tonight and welcome into the first show of 2023 from the Man Cave Studios in West Toledo. Yes, in West Toledo, Ohio. Uh, We're going to dive into some pro wrestling, of course. Uh, Last night, AEW in Fresno, California. We'll talk a little bit about that. Also pay our respects and our flowers to Jay Briscoe as unfortunately he has passed on. We'll talk about that briefly. Also, we'll dive into some other sports. A big win last night for the BGSU women's basketball team, defeating the University of Toledo Rockets, led by their uh, coach, Trisha Collip. We'll talk about their big win. Also, we'll dive into what the latest Jackets report, as the Jackets are just absolutely terrible. We'll talk about that. Also, we'll dive into the latest Walleye Roundup, as Gordy Meyer represented Toledo in the ECHL All-Star Game. We'll talk about that briefly. And you'll understand why, I understand now why the Walleye are in a bit of a losing streak. And we'll get to that in just a bit of a losing funk. And we'll get into that in just a little bit. But a lot to get into today. And we're going to first start off with the National Football League. And boy, oh boy, did we have some interesting playoff games. But before we get to the playoff games... From wildcard weekend. Let's talk about week 18. And week 18 was a fantastic regular season finale. It made it somewhat of an interesting weekend from yours truly. I was in hope of the Lions getting in. And they could get in. They honestly could get in with them winning a Seattle loss. And they're in. They're in. And I look at it like I look I looked at it and I'm like, there's a good strong possibility that could happen. And it did and it did in some aspects. It felt like they were going to do it. They were going to that Seattle was gonna lose that game. And Baker Mayfield played his ass off against the with against Seattle. You know, made it somewhat of a great football game. Taking it all the way to overtime. And the Seahawks had an opportunity to close it out in over in the overtime before the overtime period to kick a field goal, and they missed the field goal. But Seattle did conquer and they did win. They beat the Rams 19 to 16. And you then that meant the Lions were eliminated. So I'm like, okay, so the Lions are eliminated. Can we be the spoiler? Because if Green Bay beats Detroit, Green Bay gets into the playoffs. And they knocked Seattle out of the playoffs. Now I'm saying to myself, I'm saying to myself, self, what do I want to see? Do I want to see Green Bay succeed and continue on and win? Or do I want to see them get knocked out in the knocked out by our Lions and have a winning season? Do I want do I want eight and nine or nine and eight? Now at the beginning of the season, I said a 10-win season is possible for the Lions. It could have been possible. It could have been ten and seven, and we could be in the play. We could have been in the playoff picture. But you know, games down the road, down the end, did not go our way, and we had that long winning streak. If we wouldn't have lost that game in Carolina, we would have ten wins. I think we would have had ten wins. We would have been in the playoffs. We probably would have played San Francisco in the first round. Probably got knocked out. Made it but of a competitive game than what we witnessed last weekend. But it would be the Lions would be competitive. They would be competitive. I'm just saying. And the Lions did go into Lambeau Field on Sunday Night Football. Had nothing to lose. 
They have nothing to gain and nothing to lose. They could pull off the upset and beat Green Bay. And what happened? What happened? Field goals being traded by both teams. It was 6-3 after the first quarter. And it was 6-9 Green Bay at the break. And then the Lions turned on the Jets. Jamal Williams with a one-yard run makes it 13-9, but... But then Green Bay counters that back with an Alan Lazard touchdown. Makes it 16-13. But then, in the fourth quarter, the Lions stood up, got the job done. Jamal Williams again with a one-yard run. He has 16 carries for 72 yards and two TDs. Golf, a great game. 23 for 34 for 224. On the counterpart, Aaron Rodgers, 17 for 27 for 205 yards, one TD, one interception. Now, Green Bay had the opportunity to stop the Lions. They had the opportunity to stop the Lions, shut them down, get the football back with, with a time, plenty of time to change. And what happened? They could not stop the run. They could not stop the run. And so, the Lions get the first down, bleed the rest of the clock, and the Lions win in Green Bay. They sweep Green Bay. They sweep the Bears lose their games against Minnesota, which if they would have split against Minnesota, they would have been, they would have been a playoff team. They could have won the division. They could have won the division. So this is to say that. But the Lions finished the season 9-8. and eight. A lot of good positives. Absolutely a lot of good positives out of this. You know, there's a lot of good positives coming out for the Lions in 2023. You know, we're going to get another year with Jared Goff. We're going to get good picks for this upcoming season because the Rams were terrible this year. And we're going to see what the Lions have in store, you know, in the offseason. Can they go out and make some big play, pickups? Can they go out and, you know, do some, do some solid things? Can they? Will they? We'll see. The Fords have to spend some money for this to happen. And that's the key thing. The Fords have to go out and spend money. If they do not go out and spend money, then the Lions are going to be what they were last this past season. Somewhat mediocre, some not good. And it's... It will be interesting. It will be interesting. So we'll see. We'll see how it all shakes out. Uh, I wish the Lions... We'll keep we'll keep tabs on the Lions, and we'll see how they do in the, at draft time coming up as well. Now we get to the other team on the lake, the Browns. The Browns went into Pittsburgh in Week 18, figuring that you know they were mathematically limited for the playoffs. And I will just say this. I will just say this. The Lions had a better record than the Cleveland Browns. I repeat that statement Again, the Lions had a better record than the Cleveland Browns. So Logan Carr owes me some money. Oh, that we'll get him on the air and get him all get his take on the playoff situation coming up in the next couple of weeks. The Lion, the Browns, you know they we knew the Browns weren't going to make it after they were after the loss against New Orleans that basically mathematically eliminated them from the playoff contention. So, 
The only question I have is, what are the Browns going to do in the offseason? Now, we know that Kareem Hunt wants out of Cleveland. Can Cleveland go out and make some moves and go out and make some plays? Can they go out and go out and make the field for them? I mean, it's a a great question. I mean, for me, they have now laid their bed. They have laid their own bed. When it comes to to the the notion of them winning winning some solid games, because they put themselves behind the eight ball because of the fact that they shot, signed Deshaun Watson for that long term deal, they have the question is: Does Jacoby Percent stay in Cleveland? Uh, Nick Chubb is going to get need to get paid soon. Uh, you're going to have to fix that de- defensive line core. You're going to have to fix the offensive line. What does the Browns need this offseason to do? They go out and fire their defensive coordinator, which is a great, great job because, you know, he was the reason why you lost all these close games. He was the true reason that you lost all these close games. But the problem you have is you hire Jim Schwartz. Jim Schwartz. As your defensive coordinator. Now, he did a fantastic job in Philadelphia. I will give you that. He did a fantastic job in Philadelphia, helping them to get to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. I will give you that. Okay? But remember his track record with the Lions, my friends. Remember his track record. He's under the whole coaching element of Bill Belichick. Remember that. So, Schwartz is your new defensive coordinator. Will he make the team better? I don't know. I can't I can't say. I honestly can't say. But it, it will be interesting to see how this team develops. It will be interesting to see how this team works. It will be interesting to see how this team goes into the offseason. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. We'll see how that all shakes out. So, with all that in mind, you know, week 18 has passed. We got into last weekend, which was wild card weekend, or excuse me, super wild card weekend, as we had five games, uh, six games in three days. San Francisco battled Seattle in the first round of the play, in the in the wild card round, and Seattle just absolutely laid an egg. Geno was not Geno like we thought he was going to be, and Brock Purdy is not Mr. Irrelevant. He is Mr. Relevant because he is moving on to the next round. As San Francisco beats up on Seattle, forty-one to twenty-three, we get into the second wild card game of Saturday night, and it was a doozy. You had Justin Herbert and the Los Angeles Chargers playing Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, I see that I saw that game, and I watched that game. I thought it was, you know, it was it was a runaway in the first half. It was a t- it was honestly a tale of two halves. You had you had Justin Herbert absolutely rolling over Jacksonville and Trevor Lawrence being absolutely terrible. Four interceptions in the game. Four interceptions in the game. Lawrence but he rallied. He rallied his team. He rallied his team being down 27 to 7 at halftime. Rallied his team to score a total of 24 unanswered points 
and helping his team with scoring four touchdowns and four interceptions in one game. You would figure that, you know, those are Madden numbers. Those are if I, me and Danny Facer played, Danny, me and my friend Danny Facer playing Madden. I would throw four interceptions and four touchdowns, and somehow I would still win the football game. I would somehow still win it. Rule me that, Batman. But his confidence, stepping up to the plate, finishing the job, and rallying his team gives him all the momentum. Gave him all the momentum. All the momentum. And and it'll be interesting to see how they shake it out. Lawrence is good. Lawrence was 28 for 47 for 288 yards, four TDs, and four interceptions. Herbert, 23 for 43 for 273, one touchdown. Now, the big thing for me about this game was that the fact that NBC had this game. They had Tony Dungy as a color analyst, and they brought in Al Michaels back to do this game. And Al looked, you know, it felt like to me Al didn't want to be there. Like they they pulled they called him up on a fry, on on a Thursday late afternoon said hey can you fly out to Jacksonville for Saturday's game, and he said you know what I will do that for you guys and he did do that but the problem was the big enough rally that they had in this game and they didn't they didn't make any compensation to it absolutely just whiffed all over the game. He basically said, well, this game means the game. And the next thing I know, he kicks the field goal, and there's no, it's just silence. It's absolute silence. I don't know if, it's a, if it, it was a key thing for them to, to give the silence up because of the fact that, that they couldn't believe what they just saw, that Jacksonville came all the way back. I can understand that. But you have to call the game right. You have to call the game fair. And you have to call it, you know, like you see it. Absolutely, the officiate the the officiating was good. There has there wasn't any complaint for me officiating wise in this game. There wasn't there wasn't any officiating problems in this game, and any of the games really. And then you get to Sunday, and you have Buffalo battling Miami, and you know if it was me, I think I, we just saw that Buffalo definitely definitely showed their cards in this in this playoff series. In this playoff run on Sunday against Miami. Being up 17-0. You let Miami back into this game. You let them back into this game. You're up seven. You're up. You're up big. You're up 17-0. And then you let Miami come roaring down the field. Putting up 17 unanswered. 17 an answer before he getting the lead back and it's 20 to 17 at halftime. They finished the job in the third quarter. But it was just not enough. Miami kept coming and coming and they couldn't finish the job though in the fourth quarter. Miami loses 34 to 31 to the Bills and the Bills I I think are in trouble. I really think they are in trouble. My, my my Super Bowl pick is pretty much dead, and we'll get to why I say that here in just a second. But Buffalo needs to get going. They need they need to play better ball. They definitely need to be better, play better ball. Allen's numbers were not good. 23 for 39 for 352. He had two interceptions in the game, three touchdowns. 
I mean, I mean, what else to say? And then you had no Tua. You had no Teddy Bridgewater. You had Skylar Thompson, who was the third street quarterback who puts 18 for 45 with two t- interceptions and one TD. It's unacceptable. And Tyreek Hill. Now, I don't talk about sports betting that much on this on this podcast. And I was sports betting a little bit of this game. I had a bet through the Barstool Sports app, book app, and we'll get to why here in just a second about them as well. Tyreek Hill and Stephon Diggs combined, combined for 15-plus receiving yards, 15-plus receiving. Tyreek Hill, seven catches, 69 yards. Stephon Diggs, seven catches, 114 yards. I was one off from it, and I would have won $3 on my dollar bet. Oh, well. But the Bills move on. They beat the Dolphins. The up, really, the, there's two true upsets. Jacksonville beating the Chargers really wasn't that much of an upset. This one was an upset. You had, you had Brian Dable, Daniel Jones, and Saquon Barkley taking on Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota. And the Giants went out. It felt like a heavyweight fight. But the thing is, Jacksonville, not just Jacksonville, but, but the Giants went out. Minnesota took the early lead, but then the Giants went out, took a took a shot to the to the to the Vikings, and knocked down the knocked out Minnesota. Saquon Barkley with a 28-yard run. Isaiah Hogan's 14-yard pass. 14-7 after the first quarter. They kept it going. Graham Geno. 25-yard field goal, 17-7. Minnesota comes back, gets a touchdown right before the end of the end of the court, end of the first half. It's 17-14. But Bringer gets a nine-yard pass from Jones, 24-14. It basically turned into a runaway game. Greg Joseph kicking the field goal in the fourth quarter with 12-34, tying the game. But Saquon Barkley stood up and ran the ball and took it down their throats. Two-yard run gives them a 31-24 lead. That was the final. And then the, the bad play calling, the bad play calling, the bad play calling, a dump pass on fourth and sixth, a short pass. You, this is this is the score. This is more a chance to move on to the next round of the playoffs. To play either Dallas. Tampa, Dallas or Tampa, or play. I could, I, I, or play. It was just terrible. Absolutely terrible. As Daniel Jones was 24 for 35 for 301, two TDs. Kirk Cousins, 31 for 39 for 273, two TDs in the game. Jones was the leading rusher, too. 17 carries, 78 yards. For Saquon, by the way, in the game, quick quick to make mention of this, he had nine touches for 53 yards and two TDs. That tells you something. Absolutely tells you something there. And then you get to the nightcap on Sunday Night Football. Tariko and Collinsworth, as they took had Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals, took on Tyler Huntley and the 
Baltimore Ravens. You know, and Joey B, I think I think Cincinnati has got something going. They got something going. But Sam Hubbard was the key to the whole game. Key to the whole thing. Huntley fumbles the football at the goal line. Literally at the goal line. The ball pops out. Sam Hubbard picks it up and runs it for 98 yards. I'm sitting in the living room jumping up and down like, yes, yes, go, go, go. And that was the key. He lifts the Bengals over the Ravens. And that was the final. The Bengals beat the Ravens 24-17. to Tucker did it well. He took the, the the Ravens took the lead at the end of the first half, but it was Joe Burrow, Burrow in the game, twenty two for twenty three for thirty two for two hundred nine yards, one TD. Huntley seventeen for twenty nine, two twenty six, two TDs, one interception. The Ohio State Buckeye J.K. Dobbins thirteen carries for sixty two yards. Joe Mixon eleven carries, thirty nine yards. Jamar Chase nine catches, eighty four yards, one TD. Bengals got a big twenty four seventeen win, and I'm feeling the Bengals. I'm feeling the Bengals have got something going. They got something going. They've got momentum. Now they're getting ready for a huge game. We'll get to preview the games this upcoming weekend here in just a minute. But this is big. This is an absolutely huge game. And then we get to Monday night. And this is where I have I have beef. I have huge beef here. Monday night football, you have a marquee matchup as you have Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers my NFC opponent. NFC opponent. And for the Super Bowl, taking on the Dallas Cowboys with Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys. Ezekiel Elliott. Brady was not Brady in this game. Brady was not Brady in this game. I'm just I'm I'm just gonna be honest with you guys. This was not Tom Brady, and this is I think we've seen the last of Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. We saw the I think the press conference at the end of the game kind of told me what is gonna happen. But Tom Brady was basically saying his goodbye to Tampa. I mean he's a restricted he's an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. You know, the whole turmoil that has happened this past season with his divorce, you know, and everything. It just would make it make total sense for him to just go ahead and just either A, hang it up, or B, go find a new team to start something. Now, there's tons of possibilities out there, tons of openings out there. You have the job out in Las Vegas that's open. There's the job opening out there in San. There could be a job out there in California and San Francisco because Purdy is. But if Purdy's really good, I don't. I don't see that happening. You can't do it for the Chargers. There's no LA team out there that could help them. But the for me, I think there's two possibilities. One, he's going to retire, and two, I think he's going to go back to New England to finish his career. I think he goes back to Belichick and finishes his career and finishes the job. 
I, I, I strongly feel that way. I, I strongly feel that way. But the Cowboys get the job done. And now, with a big 31-14 to 14 win. But Brent Mahler missing every single extra point until we got to the third quarter. Fourth quarter, when he finally made the kick. I mean, they were up huge. They were up 24 to nothing halfway through the third quarter before Brady actually woke up and gave it to Julio Jones for a 30-yard pass, and it's a touchdown. And then, but like I said, they basically got punched in the throat, and they were down. So Tampa Tom, who was 35 for 66 for 351 yards, Two TDs, one interception. Dak Prescott, 25 for 33 for 305 yards. Four touchdowns in the game. You know, I got to say it. I'll be the one to admit it. I I thought Tampa was going to get to the playoffs. I thought that they would be good. I thought they'd be excellent. But look what happens. I was wrong, wrong, and wrong. So what's new? So Dallas moves on. So that sets up. The divisional rounds for this weekend. It is four games in two days. And it is time now to hear my predictions and go over the stats and the big games this upcoming weekend right here on All Andy Alfred. So we get now into the divisional rounds right here on All Andy Alfred today on the Anchor Network. And we got we'll start start with the first game on Saturday, 4:30 kickoff. On NBC, as it will be Tariko and Collins for two in a game, as it will be in the home of the Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs, the number one overall seed, 14-3 overall, taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars with Trevor Lawrence. Kansas City, eight-and-a-half-point favorites in this game. I'm going to take Kansas City in this game. Plain and simple, outright in this game. Take the money line in that one as well. And then we get to the nightcap, which is the e 15 kickoff on Fox is the New York football Giants. Or as in the words of the German, with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley take on Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles, a seven and a half point favorite in this game. For me, looking at this game, the Giants have nothing to lose now. They're not supposed to be here at nine, seven, and one. The Eagles have a lot to prove. Jalen Hurts not being at a hundred percent. Uh to me. I'm going to be safe. I would take Philadelphia. I'm going to take Philadelphia simply in this game. However, I feel like the Giants are the simple play. I'm going to take the, I might take the Giants in the seven and a half in this game. Because I think the Giants will get the better of the Eagles. I think they win this football. I think they might beat the Eagles and pull the upset and beat Philadelphia on Saturday night. Then we get to the Sunday slate, three o'clock kick on CBS. As Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals, 12-4 overall, takes on Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. The Bills 13-3, the Bengals 12-4. Buffalo 5.5-point favorites in this game. This one's a tough one. How bad Buffalo is was against Miami. It's a tough call for this game. I, I have Buffalo winning the Super Bowl, winning the whole damn thing, but I would not be surprised if the Bengals pulls off and beats the Bills. But I will take Buffalo in this game. I will take Buffalo at five and a half 
And uh, I think that they are the better job out of this. I think the, I think Buffalo can get the job done. I think um, I think it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they uh, how they how they do. Weather's supposed to be fine in Orchard Park. It's a home game, you know, and it will also determine. <coughs> excuse me. It will also determine whether or not we're going to be playing this neutral site game. If Buffalo does beat Cincinnati, and I'll get to why I say that here in just a second, because the last game was the 49ers, 13 and 4, taking on them boys, 12 and 5, 630 on Fox. San Francisco is a four point favorite in this game. I think San Francisco is going to win this game outright, plain and simple. I think they're, I think Brock Purdy's for real. I think they're fantastic. I think they get the job done. I have San Francisco beating Dallas, money line straight. So to recap, I have Kansas City, I have the Giants, I have Buffalo, and I have the 49ers. So I have 49ers and Giants, Bills, and Chiefs. And the Bills-Chiefs game, if that does come to fruition, will be played in Atlanta at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Because of the situation with DeMar Hamlin, uh, Buffalo could be, could have been, the number one overall seed. So, with that game being postponed and canceled, Kansas City became the number one overall seed with their outright win in week week eighteen. They become the they became the number one overall seed. The league found it very very inter, uh, very very um, interesting because of the development. They decided to play it at a neutral site, and Atlanta is the neutral site for the divisional final. If it becomes Kansas City versus Buffalo, now if it becomes Kansas City and Cincinnati, it will be played at Arrowhead. That is, it will be a rematch of the AFC final from last year. Uh, I think it's Kansas City and Buffalo. I, I, I honestly have that strong feeling on it. And then next week we'll hear my opinion and we'll, we'll recap all the games right here on All Andy Alfred. But I, I just think it's Kansas City. I have Kansas City. Giant in New York, the football G-man. Giants, and then I have Buffalo and San Francisco. Take it as you will. Those are my picks right here on All Andy Alford on the Anchor Network. And you're listening to All Andy Alford today right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you for tuning into the show today. Let's now dive into some more football. Let's talk a little college football, of course. The big one, of course. This past a few weeks ago, it was the national championship game that took place, and it was not a national championship. It was an absolute routing as Georgia absolutely destroyed TCU by the score of 65-7. to Stenson Bennett with six touchdowns in the game for him alone. He was 18 for 25 for 304 yards, four TDs passing, two TDs rushing. McIntosh. For the giant, for the for the uh, Georgia Bulldogs, eight carries for 50 yards. Bowers seven catches, 152 yards, one TD. It was all, it was all Georgia. I mean, I didn't. I watched the game up until they hit the over, and I turned it off. I just. This is why. This is why we need a 12-team format for games like this, because this turned into an absolute routing. An absolute demolishment and an absolute embarrassment. An absolute embarrassment to college football. 
and, and I'll just say this. If the kid from Ohio State didn't miss that field goal, Ohio State would have won a national championship. I'm going to plainly say it, and I'm going to plainly say the obvious. Plainly obvious. So, yeah. That's how I feel about that. But college football is officially done. We now move on. They've got all-star games coming up at the end of the month, of course, and players announcing the their intent to where they're going to be playing, where they're going to be entering the draft, or they're not going to enter the draft. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those things that you will have to watch, we'll have to watch and see, watch and see, watch and see. And also, we also have all the the signing day, national signing day coming up as well. So yeah, it's it's a big, big time. In the offseason. So we'll keep you posted what's going to happen down at Bowling Green, of course, with our Bowling Green Falcons after coming off of the loss in the in the Quick Lane Bowl. Uh, we'll see what happens over at, U- at University of Toledo as well. Their win in the Boca Raton Bowl. Ohio State, Michigan. Uh, it sounds like Harbaugh is going to stay with Michigan. That's going to be interesting. So, uh, you know, we shall see. It'll be fun. Uh, but we're ending our coverage of college football for the season. It has been a fantastic season for college football as we had the surprise of, of Bowling Green pulling the upset and beating Toledo at Toledo for the first time since 2007. Uh, it was good to see that. Uh, we've seen the uprising and the great uh, getting an opportunity to finally go to an Ohio State football game and watching the Buckeyes at the Horseshoe. Couldn't cross that off the bucket list. It was great to have do that. Um yeah, and you know, seeing some good good games and good and watching good games this week. I'm I'm looking forward to next season. I want to see what's going to happen, especially with Notre Dame this upcoming year. They have a tough schedule, a very tough schedule than last year. So we'll see. You know, we shall see what happens, and I'm looking forward to that. As you are listening to all Andy Elford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much for tuning in. And now it's time to hit the ice. It's time to talk about the latest Jackets report. It's time to fire the cannon, and it's time to put on your Jackets. It's time for the Jackets Report, right here on All Andy Elfred. So it's now time for the latest Jackets Report for you right here on All Andy Elfred tonight on the Anchor Network. As when we last left you in 2023, the Jackets were coming off of a loss to the Islanders after Christmas. As they as they lost to Chicago and lost to the Islanders. But they get a big win on New Year's Eve against Chicago, beating them 4-1. to one. And then January comes, and it has been a rocky January for the Jackets. Losses to the Senators in Ottawa, 4 to nothing, got shut out there. Lost to Washington at Nationwide, 6-2. to two. Left Elvis in the net at the end of the game. The team went into the locker room. Elvis was still on the ice, sat in the net after the game as Washington was on the ice celebrating as they lost six to two, they did pick up the huge win against Carolina four to three on Saturday, the seventh. 
before going to Washington and just losing a heartbreaker one to nothing to the Washington Capitals. They went down to Florida to take on the Tampa Bay Lightning, were shellacked by the Lightning six to three, and not even a week later, Carolina came back to Nationwide Arena and they lost to Carolina six to two. But we get to where we're going to go, and that is the fourteenth of January. That was a Saturday night at Little Caesars Arena in downtown Detroit, Michigan, as our Jackets went up to Little Caesars to battle the Red Wings. The Red Wings having a good season this year. They were lost the series already two games to nothing. They battled up against Detroit for the final time this regular season, and the Jackets came out to an early hot start at Patrick Liney getting his 10th of the season from Goudreau and Roslovic, making it 1-0 Jackets, and then Valislav Gavrikov getting his third of the season from Johnson and Benstrom backhanded beating. Beating goaltender Vinny Huso. And then Liney again getting his second of the game, second of the period, 11th of the season from Roslovic and Blackenberg on a wrist shot beating Huso. It's 3-0 Jackets after 20 minutes of play. And then at, starting into the second, Line A capitalizes a minute 32 into the period with a, a huge slap shot from the faceoff dot, making it a 4-0 Jacket lead. And Huso was having a hard time with that making it 4-0 after 40 minutes of play. Detroit does chip away. It's Olimata getting his fourth of the season. And Kulik and Larkin, and then Waldman getting a snapshot, beating goaltender Jonas Corposalo, making it a 4-2 game. Lucas Raymond getting his 13th of the season from Horonic and Sherratt, making it 4-3, but that was all she wrote. The Jackets getting a huge win in Motown by the score of Four to three, Line A, the one, number one star, Goudreau, the number two star, and Lucas Raymond, the number three star. Detroit outshot Columbus in the game 28 to 25. Detroit fell in the faceoff department to our Jackets 53% to 47%. Both teams were over on the power play. The Jackets and goaltender, goaltender Elvis Merslinkis, by the way, but it was not, not uh, uh, Corpus Alves, Merslinkis, 25 to 28. Save percentage of .893. For the Red Wings, it was Huso, 21 out of 25. Save percentage of .840. So the Jackets getting a huge win there. It did not then flip the script. The Jackets fall at home on Monday night to the New York Rangers by a score of 3-1. to one. And then last, and then on Tuesday night, they took on the, they took on the, the, uh, the Nashville Predators at, the Bridgestone Arena, and it was all Predators in this game. Uh, Connor Glass getting his fifth of the season, making it one nothing Nashville, and then Trenchin getting his sixth of the season from Yossi and Tehran at the sixteen fifty five mark of the second period. As Tarasov was in the net for this game for the Jackets, he stopped twenty six to twenty eight save percentage of the point nine two nine. It was, however, uh, Gustav Nyquist getting his ninth of the season from Benstrom. And Roslovic making it 2-1, but that was not enough as the Jackets fall to the Nashville Predators by the score of 2-1. Jackets were out, outshot the Predators in the game 40-28. <coughs> they led in the faceoff dot 51% to 49%. Both teams were over on the power play. The Jackets out hit the Predators 29-20 to 20 
in the game. So the Jackets fall to the Predators 2-1 to on Tuesday night. They now take on the Anaheim Ducks tonight at Nationwide Arena. 7 o'clock puck drop for that one. Then they will have a day off on Friday. Then they'll welcome in the San Jose Sharks. 7 o'clock drop on Saturday night before they do the Western Canadian Seattle trip. It'll start on Monday night, 9.30 puck drop. As Cal- they'll go to Calgary, and it'll be Johnny Gaudreau's first game back in Calgary. So we'll see how that's going to shape up for them. Uh, then they will go to Edmonton Wednesday night, 9.30 puck drop for that one. And then they will head to Vancouver on Friday, 10 o'clock face-off for that one. And then Saturday, they're in Seattle to battle the Kraken at 10 o'clock before they will come back home on the 31st of January, the last game before the All-Star break. They'll take on the Washington Capitals. Taking a look around the NHL for the latest news and notes before we get into the scores and scoreboard for tonight's games, it looks like this. All-Star voting is still going on, so go out there and go vote. Go vote for that. Uh, the Coyotes introduced a third jersey yesterday. It is their third jersey. It's called it's called Desert Night jersey. It's going to be a red jersey with Arizona on the front of it, done in white with some with a, uh, a cactus print on the bottom. It looks pretty cool. It's going to be interesting. Uh, Steven Stamkos scored his 500th career NHL goal last night in the 5-2 win against the Vancouver Canucks. Um, it looks like you know the NHL trade deadline is coming around the corner. A lot of teams are going to be moving a lot of players. It looks like uh, Chicago is going to be a real seller for for Patrick Kane as well as Jonathan Taves and a few other guys. We're going to try to get my uh, my good my good friend and my cousin uh, Nick the Money Man Devera to come on the program and get his opinion on a few things. Uh, so we'll get him on in the next couple of weeks to get him get his thoughts on what's happening this season with the White Sox as well with happening with the Chicago Blackhawks and so much more right here on All Andy Elford. So going into tonight's game, here's the scores going into tonight's game. Besides Columbus playing Anaheim, Winnipeg is in Toronto, the battle of the, the Leafs. The Red Wings are in Vegas, the battle of the Golden Knights. Chicago is in Philadelphia, the battle of the Flyers. Boston is taking on the Rangers. Florida is in Montreal, the Battle of the Canadians. Minnesota is in Carolina, the Battle of the Hurricanes. Buffalo is at home, the Battle of the Islanders. St. Louis hosts the Predators. It'll be the 9 o'clock game on ESPN. It'll be the Tampa Bay Lightning taking on the Edmonton Oilers. Washington is in Arizona, the Battle of the Coyotes. 10 o'clock sees the Seattle Kraken hosting the New Jersey Devils. And the LA Kings taking on the Dallas Stars, 10-30 puck drop. For that one, looking at the standings going into today's play, we're going to look at the wild card standings alone. As Boston is on the top spot in the Atlantic Division at 35, 5, and 4 with 74 points. Toronto is in second at 27, 11, and 7 with 61 points. Tampa 29, 13, and 1 with 59 points. In the Metropolitan Division, the top three teams look like this. It is Carolina in the top spot at 27, 9, and 8 with 62 points. New Jersey 29, 12, and three with 61 points. The Rangers 25, 13, and seven with 57 points. Wildcard standings look like this. Washington 24, 17, and six holding the top wildcard spot at 54 points. You have Pittsburgh at 22, 15, and seven with 51 points. The Islanders are 23, 19, and four with 50 points. The Florida Panthers 21, 20, and five with 47 points on the outside looking in are the Islanders and the Panthers. So is the Sabres at 21, 19, and three with 45 points. Philadelphia 19, 19, and 7 with 45 points. 
The Red Wings are 18, 17, and 8 with 44 points. Ottawa, 20, 21, and 3 with 43 points. Montreal, 19, 23, and 3 with 41 points. And our Jackets, unfortunately, are in dead last in the Eastern Conference at 13, 29, and 2 with only 28 points. It's not good. It is not good. Not good. Western Conference standings looks like this. Top spot in the Central Division is led by the Winnipeg Jets at 29, 15-1 with 59 points. Dallas is right there with 59 points at 26-13-7. Minnesota is 25-14-4 with 54 points in the Pacific Division. Vegas holding the top spot at 28-15-2 with 58 points. Seattle 26-14-4 with 56 points. The Kings are 25-15-6 with 56 points as well. The wildcard race looks like this. Edmonton holding the top spot at 25-18-3 with 53 points. Calgary 21-16-9 with 51 points. Colorado 23-17-3 with 49 points on the outside looking in. You have Nashville at 21-17-6 with 46 points. St. Louis at 22-20-3 with 47 points. Vancouver 18-23-3 with 39 points. San Jose 14-23-9 with 37 points. Arizona 14, 25, and 5 with 33 points. Anaheim 12, 28, and 5 with 29 points. And the Chicago Blackhawks are 12, 26, and 4 with 28 points. They and the Blue Jackets are tied. Well, the Hawks are the worst team in the NHL. The worst team in the East Coast in the Eastern Conference is the Columbus Blue Jackets. So there is that for you. So there is that for you. So that is the latest Jackets report as the Jackets take on the Anaheim Ducks tonight, 7 o'clock drop at Nationwide Arena. If you're going to the game, tag your pitchers at hashtag AAA Live. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting um, come trade deadline. See if the Jackets are going to be, since they're going to be in, in last place, they're going to definitely be sellers. What are they going to move? And also, these next two games are big for the Jackets because they could resolve in, in draft draft space. Could they go after Connor Bernard, who's the projected number one overall draft pick for this upcoming NHL season? We shall see. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to, to see the least. As you're listening to all Andy offered tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. And now it's time to hit the pond and talk a little walleye hockey because the walleye, they're struggling as well. It's time to hit the pond. It's time for the Walleye Roundup, right here on All Andy Alfred. So it's now time for the latest Walleye Roundup, right here on All Andy Alfred for you tonight, of course. And we'll start with the fit Walleye first. Walleye coming off of four games in five day, four games in six days for the fish. 
as they took on some big-time opponents, helping their case out to get back into the playoff race. Uh, but they are struggling at home lately, and and I, I've got I got a theory on that, and I'm going to share it with you here in just a little bit, but let's recap the game for the Fish. The Walleye, last Wednesday on the 11th of January, went down to Cincinnati to take on the Cincinnati Cyclones at Heritage Bank Center in downtown Cincinnati, Ohio. And it was Sam Craig's jumping out to the early lead for the Fish in the first period as it was from Craig from McCord and Hawkins on the power play at the 9-minute mark of the first period, making it a one nothing game on the power play. The Fish were up one nothing after 20 minutes of play. Cincinnati then capitalizes in the second period at the 3, three minutes and 52 seconds to go in the period. With Lepart gets his sixth of the season from Pascal and Polero, uh, even strength, making it a 1-1 game. Both teams did not score into the third period. We go to overtime, and in the overtime session, it was... Of course, Bliss getting his seventh of the campaign from Hawkins and McCord on the power play. And the Fish at Heritage Bank Center get the check and get the hell out of there with a 2-1 win over the Cincinnati Cyclones. Toledo shot Cincinnati in the game only 27-26. Toledo 2-for-7 on the power play. Cincinnati 0-for-4. It was Lettinen getting the win. He stopped 25-26. of 26. It was Sinclair stopping 25-27. of 27. In the game that took two hours and 33 minutes to play, 3,700 in attendance at Heritage Bank Center. Other games that happened that day Newfoundland was a winner 5 2 over Wooster. Savannah, a 3 2 win over Greenville. It was South Carolina, 5 1 win over Atlanta. Iowa fell to the Indy Fuel 3 1. Jacksonville, a 7 3 win over Florida. In overtime, the Lions of Travos beat Orlando 3 2. Maine, a 7 2 win over Norfolk. Wheeling, a 5 2 win over Redding. Kalamazoo a 5-4 win over Fort Wayne and Allen a 5-3 win over the Tulsa Oilers. We get to third Friday night the 13th, Friday the 13th, the Fish were at Kalamazoo for their Pride Night game and the Fish getting the better of the Kalamazoo Wings in that game as it was Kalamazoo jumping out to the early one nothing lead for Fonke giving his third of the season from Lapeel. At the 10.52 mark of the first period, making it one nothing. But then Gordy Green getting his 12th of the season for Tenneke and Ward making it a 1-1 game. Sorelli getting his first of the season from Bliss, making it a 2-1 game into the third period. And then Evan getting an empty net goal in the third period from Bliss, making it 3-1. Kalamazoo then made it close at the end. And McPeel from Sturgeon and Natachuk on the empty net into the 6-on-5 uh, advantage, making it 3-2. But then Ward getting his second of the season from Tanafat and Green into the empty net on the power play with four seconds to go in the game. The Fish, a big 4-2 win over Kalamazoo. They outshot the Wings in the game 35-21. to Toledo 1-for-4 on the power play. Kalamazoo 0-for-2 as 5,053 were in attendance. Two hours and 30 minutes took to play the game. Uh, Curdy was the number one star. Green, the number two star. Volak, the number three star. It was Sebastian Costa stopping 19 of 21 in the game. Hova stopping 31 of 33 in the game on Friday the 13th in Kalamazoo. Newfoundland was a winner in overtime over Wooster 4 to 3. Atlanta a 5-3 win over Jacksonville. Reading a 5-1 win over Anirondack. Orlando a 4-1 win over the Lions of Travos. Savannah loses in overtime to South Carolina 4-3. Evan uh 
the Everblades fall to Greenville three to two in a shootout. Norfolk loses to Maine three to two. Fort Wayne a two one win over Wheeling. Cincinnati a three one win over Indy. Kansas City beats up on the Iowa Heartlanders four two. Rapid City a three one win over Tulsa. Allen a four three win over Wichita and Utah a five three win over the Idaho Steelheads. We then get to Saturday's slate, the fourteenth. The Fish returned. Back to the bank tank to take on the Fort Wayne Comets for a big game as it was all Fort Wayne in this one. But the Fish jumped out to an early lead led by Mitchell Hurd, his 10th of the season for Tedeva and Sabango on shorthanded. It was one nothing Fish, 4 minutes and 12 seconds in the period. Then Gordy Green getting his 13th of the season for Tedeva and Lowney making it a 2 nothing Fish lead. But then Fort Wayne capitalizes as Russell from Ferber, making it a 2-1 game. And then Josh Winquist gets his 10th of the season unassisted, making it 2-2. And then Kirk getting his second of the season from Blissett Ebbing, making it a 3-2 game. But then Fort Wayne turned on the Jets. Morales from Winquist, making it a 3-3 game into the second period. And then Josh Winquist with two goals in the period, getting the hat trick, making it a 5-3 game. Halfway through the second period, and then Ferber getting his eighth of the season from Rossmith. It was Kosa was pulled. Lentinen came in. The Fish then ra- rallied as Ward getting his third of the season from Green and Sabango, making it a 6 4 game. Then Cooper then getting for Fort Wayne at the 1902 mark of the period into the empty net from Winquist. 7 4 Fort Wayne was the final at the, at the bank tank. As 8,017 were in attendance, two hours and 34 minutes took to play the game. Winchris, the number one star. Ferber, Felherb, the number two star. And Rassid, the number three star. Kosa gets the loss. He stopped 12 of 18. That is a terrible outing for Sebastian Kosa. Letnin stopping two of two in the game. Pedro stopping 32 of 36 in the game for the Fish as they fall to Fort Wayne 7 to 4. The rest of the games on the slate, the Solar Bears a 4-2 winner over the Lions of Travos. Uh, Reading a 3-1 win over Anirondack. Wooster falls to Newfoundland 6-4. Maine a 6-3 win over Norfolk. Florida beats up on South Carolina 4-2. Indy a 3-2 win over Kalamazoo. Jacksonville 5-4 win over Atlanta. In overtime, Greenville a 2-1 win over Savannah. In overtime, Wheeling falls to Cincinnati 4-3. It was Kansas City a 4-3 win in overtime over Iowa. In overtime, it was Tulsa a 4-3 win over Rapid City. Allen a 3-2 win over Wichita. And Idaho a 4-0 win over the Utah Grizzlies. We get to Sunday's slate of games on the 15th. And the Fish took on the final game before the All-Star break. They took on the Cincinnati Cyclones. And the Fish getting the better of this game for the Cyclones again. It did jump out for Cincinnati to an early lead as Lippert getting his 7th of the season for Lacroix and Caron, making it a 1-0 game. Peslow getting his 13th of the season from Shemrick at the 8.07 mark of the period before Gordy Green getting his 14th of the season from Sabango and Hawkins, making it a 2-1 game after 20 minutes of play. Bliss getting his 8th of the season from McCourt and Hawkins, 2-2 after 40 minutes of play. And then Sam Craig's 14 seconds into the period, Getting its fourth of the season from Ebbing and Curry, making it a 3-2 game. Mitchell Hurd then puts the dagger in his 11th of the season from Tenefat and Record, making it a 4-2 game. That was the final. The Fish 
getting the 4-2 win. They outshot Cincinnati in the game 26-22. Both teams were over on the power play as it was Lettinen stopping 20 of 22. Sinclair, with Lettinen getting the win, Sinclair, the loss, he stopped 22 of 26 in the game. So the Fish getting a huge win on Sunday the 15th. Florida 3-1 win over South Carolina. Kalamazoo a 3-2 win in overtime over Wheeling. India 6-5 win over Fort Wayne in overtime. Wichita 6-3 win over Tulsa in that game. Then we get to Monday, which was the all-star game that took place in Norfolk, Virginia. Big slate of games, of course, as it was the Western Conference taking on the Eastern Conference. And the Western Conference getting the Wig 9-8 win overall. They finished three and two in the in the game of the three on three. Eastern Conference was one and two. Uh, the crew the they played the Destroyers in the finale, and the Destroyers beat up on the Western Conference two to nothing. Destroyers get the win in the game, so good for them. It was good. It was a good All Star game overall, and uh, representative of the Walleye was was Sebastian Cosa as well as our own Gordy Meyer. Meyer was a part of it as well, too. They had three games on the ECHL docket. Jacksonville played Atlanta 5-4. Maine was a 4-2 winner over Redding. And Utah was a 4-1 winner over the over the Utah, over the Idaho Steelheads. And Rapid City was a 4-3 winner in overtime over Kansas City. So there is that for you guys. Uh, so they're on the all-star break. They can't, the ECHO was on all-star break until last night. Orlando, a three, two winner over Atlanta tonight. Orlando will play Greenville seven o'clock puck drop for that one. And here is the slate for the weekend slate. It will be around the East coast league first, before we get to our fish, Cincinnati is in Indy to battle the fuel seven o'clock drop on Friday. It will be South Carolina and Jacksonville seven o'clock. Fort Wayne is in Kalamazoo. Norfolk is in Redding. Adirondack is in Travolse for 7 o'clock drop. 7.05 sees Newfoundland in Worcester. 7.30 sees Savannah in Florida. Uh, 8.05 puck drop. It will be Toledo in Iowa for a big three-game series with the Heartlanders. Uh, at 8.05, it will be Utah in Tulsa, Allen in Wichita. And then at 9.05, Idaho is in Rapid City on Friday. Like I said, Toledo is in Iowa this weekend. It's Friday at 8.05, they'll play again Saturday at 8.05. And Sunday, the concluding game of the three games set for the Fish will be a 3.05 puck drop at in Iowa City. Uh, uh, by the way, Saturday, Reading is in Norfolk. Atlanta is in South Carolina. Newfoundland is in Adirondack. Savannah is in Florida. Wheeling is in Kalamazoo. Greenville is in Orlando. Maine is in Worcester. India is in Fort Wayne. Utah is in Tulsa. Kansas City is in Wichita, and Idaho is in Rapid City. So there's that for you. Uh, so looking at it, overall, looking at the standings going into this weekend's play, it looks like this. In the central division, it's led by the Indy Fuel, who are 25-10, with 51 points. Cincinnati is 27-4-2 with 46 points. The Toledo Walleye are in third spot at 17-14-4-1 with 39 points. Wheeling 17-16-3-0 with 37 points. Fort Wayne 15-12-4-2 with 36 points. Uh, uh, Kalamazoo 15-16-3-0 with 33 points. And the Iowa Heartlanders 7-17-8-1 with 23 points. 
Now, Toledo has played 36 games. Wheeling has played 36 games. Indy has played 36 games. Cincinnati has played 33. Fort Wayne's played 33. So they all have three games at hand to that as well. So does Iowa. And Kalamazoo's got 34 games played so far. In the Mountain Division, it's led by the Idaho Steel. has a 28-6-0-1 with 57 points. Wichita, 21-13-3-0 with 45 points. Rapid City, 19-17-1-0 with 39 points. Kansas City, 16-12-5-0 with 37 points. Utah, 14-19-1-0 with 29 points. The Allen Americans are 14-19-1-0 with 29 points. And the Tulsa Oilers, 11-15-6-1 with 29 points. In the Eastern Conference, we'll start with the North Division, led by the Newfoundland Growlers, who are 25-9-1-0 with 51 points. Uh, Reading is 22 11 and one with 45 points. Maine, 21, 11, 1 and 1 with 44 points. The Marin uh, Railers are 19, 15, 3 and 0 with 41 points. The Lions of Travolta are 14, 19, 2 and 0 with 30 points. Adirondack, 10, 17, 5 and 1 with 26 points. And Norfolk at 16, 27, 1 and 2 with 15 points. In the South, led by the Florida Everblades at 21, 7, 21, 8, 3 and 2 with 47 points. Atlanta's in second at 22-13-3-0 with 47 points. In South Carolina at 21-7-3-1 with 46 points. Jacksonville 22-12-1-0 with 45 points. It is then the Greenville Swamp Rabbits at 19-10-7-0 with 45 points. It's Orlando 16-16-4-1 with 37 points. And the Savannah Ghost Pirates are 11-18-7-0 with 29 points overall. So with that all in mind, Wanted to get into this because, uh, you know, I want to talk about the the overall walleye team. I'm going to go over everything right now with the fish. Okay. We're going to go over plus and minuses for the fish because that's where the key thing is. And... I have two theories. I have a theory on why the fish are doing so bad. If you have noticed, Flow TV is doing a Hard Knocks documentary series. Did a hot, did a Hard Knocks documentary series on the fish. Um, they're still working on that. Uh, their first two episodes have been released. Uh, they're talking about the fish and how the walleye struggled during, you know, didn't get the job done in the in the uh, in the final against Florida. They talk they talked to Hawkins, they talked to Dan Watson, they talked to Cole Frazier, who now, by the way, has left the team. Cole Frazier is gone. He is not going to play the rest of the season with the fish. He is now going to be playing in England in the European League. Give you that for a stat. How about that? Oh, Frazier gone for the rest of the season. And Frazier this year, I got a, with the fish, 36 games played. He's got two goals, seven assists, nine points. He was a negative two for the fish this season. Got some bad news for my good friend Gordy Meyer. He's got four goals, eight assists, 12 points. He's been injured, but he's a minus five now. That's not good. The worst player right now is Thomas Ebbing. He is... Played 36 games with the team. He has 10 goals, 13 assists for 23 points, but he's a negative 6. Boeing at the same round, 31 games played, 3 goals, 7 assists, 10 points, negative 6. 
Lowney, three games, 36 games played, three goals, 11 assists, 14 points, minus four. Sam Craig's rookie, 35 games played, four goals, five assists, nine points, negative four. John Albert, 33 games played, five goals, nine assists, 14 points, negative one. Simone Denis, 17 games played, back in the lineup, no goals, five assists, five points, he's a zero. The best player on this team is Trenton Bliss. 18 games played, rookie, eight goals, 11 assists, 19 points, he's a plus 10. Charlie Kirk is seven games played, two goals, four assists, six points, plus six. Riley McCourt, 12 games played, two goals, seven assists, nine points, plus two. Gordy Green, 29 games played, 14 goals, 17 assists, 31 points, plus two. Colin Keenan, 36 games played, three goals, nine assists, three goals, six assists, nine points, plus two. Brett McKenzie, 12 games played, three goals, seven assists, 10 points, one plus one. Goslin, 15 games played, three goals, no assists, three points, plus one. Hawkins, 30 games played, 12 goals, 19 assists, 31 points. He's a zero. They're struggling because all the call-ups is happening. You have the hard knocks that's happening, and they can't win at home. I don't understand why they're not winning at home. I don't understand what's going on with that. A lot of people have been asking the question of well, why are they losing at home, but they're winning big on the road. I I, I, I can't tell you that answer. I, I just can't. I don't understand it. I'd like to have Gordy on the show and you know, pick his brain what's happening. We, maybe we can get that down in the next few weeks. I don't know if I just burned the bridge because of it. Boys have got to. Boys have got to step up. Three big games in Iowa. Three big games in Iowa for the fish. Three huge games. Huge games for the fish. Three big games for the fish, and it, it, it it's key. They are key games. Looking at the next games for the Fish. The three games, of course, like I mentioned before, against against Iowa this weekend. In Iowa. Eight oh five drops on Friday and Saturday. Three oh five puck drop on Sunday. They go to Kalamazoo next Friday, the twenty seventh. They come back home on the 28th to play Kalamazoo at the Bank Tank. And then the 29th, they play Cincinnati. Then February 3rd, my birthday, they come back home to play Kansas City for a big game. The next night, they go to Cincinnati, return home Sunday for a huge contest. I think this is a huge contest against the Wheeling Nailers because they play Wheeling on the 5th of February. They then turn around and play Wheeling again at Wheeling on on Wednesday night. Come back home on the 10th, play Kalamazoo, play Iowa on the 11th of February before the huge road trip out to Rapid City to play Rapid City for three straight games. 
at Iowa on the 24th, come back home for three games, two games, huge games against Wichita, the 25th and 26th. March 1st sees them play Fort Wayne. They have Iowa home on the 4th, Wheeling home on the 5th, and then in Wheeling on the 8th of March. We're coming down the stretch, big games. Notable games. The 24th of March, they're at home against Reading. 25th and 26th against Greenville. Keep this one. April 2nd. April 2nd. The Fisher home against South Carolina. Now, I'm going to say this. March 31st, April 1st, and April 2nd. Three home games for the Fish against Iowa, Indianapolis, and South Carolina. At the same time that's happening, it's opening weekend for the Mudhens. Who in their right mind planned that? Who in their right mind planned that? You know what you need to do? League needs to make the decision and say, you know what? We need to play these games. We need to play the Mudhen games in the afternoon because it's going to be cold those first few weeks in April. April 7th against Cincinnati. They end the season April 16th against Fort Wayne. So, yeah, it's big games going forward. But I think you add the fact of the call-ups and injuries. You have the fact that this Hard knock series is happening at the same time, too. Plus, you have the schedule that everybody is playing tough this season. They have this, the, wall, the walleye, no, the target on the back of the fish. That is what's making it difficult for the fish to win. Plain so. So we'll see how that happens. Big three games for the fish out in Iowa before they go to Kalamazoo and then return home for the big weekend series against the Wings and the Cyclones. And that is the walleye roundup right here on All Andy Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening the bottom of my heart. Thank you for tuning in. And now let's hit some other sports. Let's talk about some college basketball and the women's side of the thing, basketball in the Mid-American Conference. Also, we'll dive into golf. The LPGA is back as well as the PGA Tour back into session and wrestling. All that and more right here on All Andy Elford. Hi folks, this is Andy Elford, the host of All Andy Elford. And when it comes to sports gambling, there is one choice for yours truly and that is the barstool sportsbook yes the barstool sportsbook through penn national gaming they have everything that you desire whether it be for the national football league's playoff series as well as nba college basketball the national hockey league and so much more whether or not whether you want to put down as minimum bets as much as a dollar like yours truly does is all the way up to 500 to a thousand dollars the Barstool Sportsbook is for you. Find the Barstool Sportsbook at your local apps. Also, it is available at the Hollywood Casino in either Columbus or in Toledo, Ohio. Gaming responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-GAMBLER for more information. And please play responsibly. New users for Ohio will get $100 guaranteed on their first bet. And when you look up, refer a friend, look up Andy Elfred. For your next bet on the Barstool Sportsbook. 
So yeah, definitely get into the Barstool Sportsbook. That's the sportsbook gambling site that I use when it comes to it, and that's what lines I give you right here on all of the offers through the Barstool Sportsbook. Uh, it's Penn National Gaming owns the Barstool Sportsbook, who runs Hollywood Casino, Greek Town, Hollywood Casino in Columbus, and Hollywood Casino in Toledo, Ohio. So get your bets into that. Uh, of course, if you signed up at the Barstool Sportsbook app through Ohio, you get $100 deposit if your team either wins or loses. Uh, you also have a new players thing where you get $1,000, up to $1,000 in bets, whether if your team wins or loses as well. So if you have, if you want to sign up for the Barstool Sportsbook, that is the Barstool Sportsbook that we use to do all in the Alfred right here on the Anchor Network. And again, gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit gamblingproblem.gov. Uh, so please play responsibly. So let's dive into some other sports. Of course, we're going to dive into what happened yesterday at the Soros Center on the campus of Bowling Green State University as our Bowling Green State University Falcons women's basketball team took on a huge Mid-America Conference matchup as it was the BGSU Falcon team took on took on took on a huge task in front of them and that was the University of Toledo Rockets a big matchup the Falcons a perfect 6-0 in conference play. They took on uh, Trisha Collips' midnight blue and gold, and the Falcons getting the better of the Rockets by an 88-76 score as Quenisha Lockett for the Rockets had 27 points, six for se- six, 7 for 16 in field goal reigns. Uh, but Allison Day, 31 points, 13 for 21 in field goal range for the, Fal- for the Falcons at the game. The Falcons dominated in the second and third periods of the game. It was... Down the stretch, the Falcons getting a huge win. And, you know, the I, I, I kind of figured that Bowling Green was going to struggle in this this game, but BG stepped up to the plate as Tate had was 6-for-9 with 13 points. Day, 31 points. Hampton, 11 points. Brett had 9 points as well. For the Rockets, like I said, Lockett had 27 points, 7-for-16 for free goal, field, goal, field goal range. She was 2-for-5 for three-point arc. Cook had two points. McCowitz had 13 points as BG beats up on Toledo by a score of 88 to 76. It's 4,347 were, uh, excuse me, 2,716 were in attendance at the Stroh Center. The line was favored to Bowling Green at three and a half. The over-under was 146, according to the Barstool Sportsbook. Other games in the Mid-American Conference regarding the women's sports uh, Ball State was a winner, 81-59 over Buffalo. Miami of Ohio, 74-69 win over NIU. Akron, an 80-65 win over Central Michigan. Western Michigan plays played Ohio, and Western Michigan, a 68-57 win over Ohio. And Kent State, a 79-66 win over Eastern Michigan. Uh, they will all get back onto the court on Saturday. Buffalo is at Western Michigan. Ohio is at Miami of Ohio. Northern Illinois is at Eastern. Kent State is at Bowling Green, 1 o'clock tip on Saturday. Uh, Ball State hosting Central Michigan, and Toledo will host Akron at two o'clock at Savage Arena. So, looking at that, that is that is great to see. Bowling Green is now two and zero in the Battle of I seventy five this season. Looking at the men's side of things in the Mid America Conference before we dive into the top twenty five slate of games for the 
Mid-American Conference. As it was, they played on Tuesday the 17th. Toledo, a big 90-75 to win over Ohio. Kent State, a 77-63 win over Eastern. Akron, a 69-51 win over Central Michigan. Bowling Green fell to Buffalo, 100-71. Uh, Ball State, a 71-70 win over Western Michigan. And NIU, an 81-77 win in the men's side. Friday, we'll see Buffalo hosting Toledo, 8-30 tip on CBS Sports Network. 6-30 tip sees Ball State taking on Kent State. Saturday, Slate, Bowling Green at home. They'll have the doubleheader at the Stroh. 1 o'clock, Kent State and Bowling Green's women's team. The men's side will have the tip at 5 o'clock as it will be Miami, Ohio, traveling to Bowling Green to take on the Falcons. The Falcons 8-10 overall in conference overall in conference uh, in the season play. Miami, Ohio 7-11, Eastern 4-14, Northern Illinois 6-12, Akron 12-6, Western 6-12. They'll play each other on Saturday. Central Michigan will play Ohio, Central Michigan 7-11. Ohio 9 and 9. By the way, Toledo is 12 and 6 in conference overall and Buffalo is 9 and 9. Ball State 13 and 5. Kent State 15 and 3. So there is that for you guys. So that's all the men's side of the national of the Mid-American Conference college football slate. Uh looking at the top 25 games that will be taking place tonight. Thursday the 19th, it'll be 23rd-ranked Rutgers travels to Michigan State for a 6.30 tip on FS1. Third-ranked Purdue will go to Minnesota. 18th-ranked Charleston will bow Monmouth. 24th-ranked Florida Atlantic University takes on UTSA. 8 o'clock tip for that one. Sixth-ranked Gonzaga will take on LMU. USC travels to the 11th-ranked Arizona. And UCLA, fifth-ranked overall, will battle Arizona State at 10.30 on FS1. By the way, got to make mention of this really quickly. Big Ten slate besides Rutgers and Michigan State and Purdue and Minnesota. Michigan host goes to Maryland and Indiana goes to Illinois tonight for those tips. Uh, when it guards the baseball really quickly for you guys, of course, the big news is that minor league baseball will introduce uh, automatic balls and strikes or AVS into all ballparks this upcoming season. I want to see what the system looks like, in my opinion. I really like to see what the system looks like. I want to see how it's going to shape out. I, what I was told from my good friend, from our good friend Nick Moneyman Devera, is that once the spring training games have been settled and they've set the camps for minor league, they are going to test the games out. I'd like to watch a couple of those games to see how balls and strikes are going to work. The umpire is the only one behind the plate that's going to be there. And the catcher and the umpire that are there are just there for the ball and also the call it at the, pl- the call it to the plate. And either to call it fair or foul. They're not going to call balls and strikes anymore. And that's losing a piece of the human element, in my opinion. We lose that, and it, it, it hurts. It really hurts to see that. It really does hurt to see that. So uh, I think it's a bad decision. I really think it's a bad decision in all counts. I think uh, I think uh, they need to f- they need to fix that. And you know, it'll, it'll be interesting. It'll be definitely interesting. So there's that. Summer spring and summer sports are coming along, especially now as the 
LPGA and the PGA are back into the swing of things this week as is the American Express Open taking place right now at Davis Thompson up on the leaderboard and the PGA at 8 under par. Tyler Duncan 6 under par. Dean Burmester is 6 under par too. Taylor Montgomery 6 under par and Stuart Sink is tied for 2nd at 6 under par as well. Wise 6 under par as well as Poston at 6 under par as well. John Rahm is at 8th spot at 5 under par as well as Knox who is 5 under par as well. But the big one, of course, is for me, is, and we talk about it all the time, is the LPGA, the Ladies Professional Golf Association, having the big Hilton Grand Vacation Tournament of Champions that is taking place in beautiful Florida. The big tournament that's taking place there as it, the sessions have ended for the day. And Brooke Henderson, who is now a member of the Taylor May Golf Crew, is leading the front leading after 18 holes at 5 under par. Nelly Corda is in 2nd at 4 under par. Dreiberg is 3 under par, tied for 3rd with Charlie Hull, as well as Budai and Wee Shu at 3 under par. Yuka Sasso tied for 7th at 2 under par. Jody Innerstadoff is 2 under par. Danielle Kang tied for ninth at 1 under par with Maya Sarek. And Catafat at one under par as well, too. Nasa Hadakor is tied at one under par, too. Leona McGuire is one under par. Salas uh, is one under par as well. Anna Norquist, one under par. Celine Boutier, one under par as well, too. Ryan O'Toole is at even par, tied for 18th. Castron, uh, even par at 18 as well, too. Jennifer Kupcho, tied for 22nd at one over par. The uh, Dana Open champion, Gabby Lopez, tied for 22nd at one over par with Jennifer Kupcho. Uh, Jake Dungan, two over par, tied for 24th with Paula Ritu's two over par, too. Andrea Lee, two over par as well, too. Mira Alex, three over par. Ali Ewing, seven over par. And Jake Dungan, 12 over par for 29th. Uh, the players that are playing in this tournament are playing alongside celebrities that are playing in this tournament. So, uh, Brooke Henderson is playing with John Schmoltz and Josh Donnellan. Uh, Daniel Kang is playing with, uh, I, I believe he's, she's playing with, uh, uh, the, the Carlton from, um, uh, from French principal there, uh, Alfonso Ribeiro. And, um, I forget who her other part, the other partner. So they're playing, celebrities are playing alongside these guys, these beautiful ladies who are just absolutely killing the ball. And Nelly Corda and... And Brooke Henderson are now TaylorMade representatives, so I'm looking forward to that. TaylorMade, the great golf brand, and uh, looking forward to seeing how they're going to perform with those clubs. So there is that for you. Um, Got to make mention of this really quickly before we continue on, before we head to Andy Rant. I'll talk some professional wrestling for you guys tonight as well. Of course, the Royal Rumble is a week away on the 28th of January. We're going to be one week out from that. Looking forward to that, to being with my family, watching that. Probably one of my favorite uh, wrestling events besides WrestleMania to watch a pay-per-view uh, for WWE. WWE storyline going forward, I kind of like it right now with the Kevin Owens situation with, with Roman Reigns. I, I don't have a pick yet for the Rumble. Uh either in the men's or the women's side of things. I can't make a pick on it because I don't know who's also going to play in it. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting. 
It'll be interesting to see how that all shakes shakes out. But the big one, of course, is AEW that's taking place. Uh, but the big one first is what happened in Ring of Honor. Uh, we lost a great member of the wrestling community in in Jay Briscoe. He was an absolute great performer in in the ring, and he was a great person outside the ring. He was great to listen to on the mic. He had probably, you know, I didn't follow much of the Briscoes because of the Ring of Honor situation, but I did get a when AEW signed uh, Ring of Honor. One of my favorite matches was this FTR match that they just had with with the Briscoes. I thought it was a fantastic match, and you know, I thought you know to hear how he died in the car accident with his daughter in the car really sat home with me. So our thoughts and prayers are with the Briscoes, the whole family, and you know our thoughts and prayers are with him, and also his daughter because his daughter was having surgery uh, yesterday morning. I hope that she's doing well, and uh, our thoughts and prayers are with the Ring of Honor community as well as his family and all of his friends as the uh, Briscoe dead, At the age of thirty-eight, too young, absolutely too young. So there's that, of course. But last night, AEW did pay tribute to to him, to the Briscoes, and um, to to Briscoe. And, you know, it, it's hard to do a show after an incident like that. And, you know, I thought AEW did a fantastic job. I thought the, the, the best match of the night was the final match, which was Darby Allin and Kushida. That was a really good match. Uh, I thought the Bandino... Uh, Daniel Bryanson match was really good. I um, uh, the Orange Cassidy match was really good. Um, I didn't really like the 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 Elite match. Uh, I I I thought that was a bad timing for that match to be on. I think the tag teams needed to be off the air for the night. Uh, but what got me the most is this ma- this situation right now with with Tony Storm and Soraya, or formerly Paige from WWE. Uh, Tony Storm, Paige, and um, I forget the other girl's name. She's Japanese in nature. I forget her name off the top of my head. But these three ladies f- formed a team together, and you know this is. Uh, yeah, I, I think what we witnessed last night was the heel turn of Tony Storm, and I don't like a heel turn with Tony Storm and Soraya. I think that they need to keep a face. I think they need to stay face. Because of the whole situation with them fighting off with Britt Baker, and last night they fought. Uh, Tony Storm fought Willow Nightingale, who I absolutely love and enjoy watching in the ring. She's absolutely fantastic. Her ring appearance has gotten so much better. Uh, I like that she's partnering up with Ruby Soho, but I don't like the fact that that AEW is pairing a lot of women together to make tag teams. I don't like that idea. I don't like. I think it should be division up to single division. Uh, I thought Will Nightingale and Ruby Soho's match with uh, with the Jericho Appreciation Society, Ty Conti, and and the other and Anna Jay was a good match at Rampage last weekend. It was so bloody, it was so gory, but you don't you couldn't turn away from that match. I thought it was really really well done. Um, I like the fact that we're seeing more and more Darby 
I like that he's put on the TNT Championship. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it, I just don't like that Tony Storm and the Soraya situation is going into uh, it's going into them turning heel. I don't think that's the right move. I don't think that's the, that's the smart move for WW for AEW. And you know, I'm just gonna stick it with that. I like Tony Storm. I've always liked Tony Storm in in, in WWE as well as in AEW. I think she need they need to you know reevaluate that. Uh, on the other situation in WWE with the women's t- championship, this Alexa Bliss with with uh, with Bray Wyatt situation, I don't. I think we need to shake that up. I think that that needs to die. I think Alexa Bliss needs to go to back to being what Alexa Bliss is a a methodical, clear wrestler. She does not need to go into the gimmicks again. I think that she needs to go back to what she was known for being Twisted Bliss and taking care of things done, doing done, things done, five feet strong and doing everything right. I think she needs to go back to that. I hope Creative goes back to that. And I think that they need to go back to that. Second thing, Bailey need, this whole damage control situation with Bailey and, and Dakota Kai and, and all that, that needs to get cut. That needs to get cut immediately. The, the the tag team champions need to be the tag team champions. They need to break away from Bailey, and I hope that the Raw episode that's coming up this upcoming Monday, which is Raw's thirty year anniversary, on the air. I hope to God that you know Damage Control turns their back on Bailey. I hope they do. I really hope they do, and I think it would be the best thing. In the words of Stephanie McMahon and and Triple H, it would be best for business. Um, and regarding of that, going back to the McMahon, going to the McMahon situation, Vince coming back to WWE, this whole rumor of the Saudis buying WWE and everything like that, that is what it is, a rumor. Don't believe any of it. If it does come to fruition that they do buy, the Saudis buy it, goodbye to ratings, goodbye to women's wrestling, goodbye to everything. I'm just telling you, it's going to be like watching the live tour in golf. You know, there are going to be so many people that will be turning it off and nobody will be watching it. I like the fact that I'm seeing the cons coming into buying them. And it being like what it used to be with a, with WCW, it would be the opposite. That WWE would be purchased by the con family and the cons taking over WWE. And they would own, basically they would own all of wrestling. They have Ring of Honor, they have built AEW, and if they buy WWE, it's a monopoly when it comes to those three wrestling organizations. So then you would have, you know, you know, Ohio Valley wrestling and everything like that that's down 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 south. But, you know, that's just that's just the wrestling head in me talking. So there's that for you guys. Right here on all Andy Alford tonight, right here. On the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much for tuning into the show tonight. And now we have come to the end of the program tonight, and it's now time for Andy Rants. So it's now time for Andy Rants, and uh, I want to thank you for tuning into the podcast tonight right here on All Andy Elfred. And if you haven't subscribed to the show yet, then what are you doing? We do shows each week right here on All Andy Elfred. As I'm sitting here in the Man Cave Studios watching the American Express first-round coverage on the Golf Channel, as Thompson's now holding the top spot at 8 under par. Um, 
yeah, it's it's been a it's been an interesting day. Um, you know, it's warm outside. Got a chance to take down the rest of the Christmas decorations and put away a lot of stuff and you know sweep and clean up the front of the ho- our house here. Uh, everything's doing all right. My uh, wife and I are having a really good time together in our house, uh, playing with the cats. We're thinking about getting a new cat. Looking forward to possibly taking in the, in bringing in a new cat and we'll keep you posted on that um i I wanted to close tonight with um you know the whole situation with damar hamlin has you know really shook me up that night that game when that happened i was really really shooken by it um you know the talk was you know i i'm in the mood i'm in the talks now of try to get signed up to take CPR lessons and to learn how to, you know, use a heart defibrillator if anything becomes a situation. Um, my nephew, um, Joel, um, has had heart problems. Uh, our thoughts and prayers are with him, uh, as he's getting through them. You know, he had a procedure done at U of M, uh, Michigan yesterday, uh, successful. He's on the men. He's getting back. He's getting back to a hundred percent. I'm glad to hear that. Um, I want to send my my thanks to uh, all my friends and family going forward for everything that they have done for me so far to get me to where I'm at today. Um, so I appreciate that, and I love you guys so much. And you know, classes are doing very very well too. Um, first day for uh, first confession for me will be March the fourth. Looking forward to that, and then I get the the right of attrition to become a full fledged Catholic in March. Looking forward to that. I'll keep you posted on that. So, uh, one of the things that I wanted to get into before I get into Andy Rantz too tonight, of course, uh, we've had discussions in the past about what was regarding a sports gambling on this podcast. I know you just heard the promo earlier about Barstool Sports book. That is what we're going with. Uh, I've always been a fan of Barstool Sports. You've, I've, I've told you that many times. I've met Dave. I've met Big Cat, I've met a lot of the guys at, sport, at Barstool. Uh, I love that they're paired with Penn National Gaming. So they the, the the lines you see are the lines that you will see in Columbus, in Toledo, and at Greektown up in Detroit uh, because they're all paired with Na- Penn National Gaming. Um, what I was told from a good source inside the casino is that we're looking at the middle of end of end of January, beginning of February. By the time we are by the time the f- official sports book is open. Um, sportsbook is open in the casino right now at Hollywood Casino. It's been open in Michigan. It's open now in in Columbus. Uh, if you want to make a sports bet, you know, like I said, bet responsibly. Don't listen to me on a lot of the sports betting. Uh, if you want to go with me with some of my options, I'm not responsible for what you gamble on. So I'm just letting you that letting you know that ahead of time. So there's that. But we, we were we we're sticking with the Barstool Sportsbook in regards of that. So there's that for you guys. So we come to Andy Rance tonight. And the Andy Rance tonight is about the continued talk about respect. And respect is always earned. It is never given to you. Uh, no matter what the situation is, no matter what you do, where you do what you do, where you where you do the per help do the person to give respect to you need to give respect, no matter what the situation is, whether it be, whether it be, uh, you know, 
being respectful for your parents and to your grandparents and everything like that, or being respectful at the job site. You have to be respectful for everybody, no matter if you're a hierarchy or you're just a low man on the totem pole. I just want you to know, just to be respectful, be honest honest with everything, and be loving and compassionate. Because that's all it is. That's really all it is. If you you do all those three things, you gain respect. So in my opinion, be respectful. You do those three things, you will be respected, and you'll be honored in the community. So there's that. Uh, regarding of our show, housekeeping-wise, we'll be back on the air on, this, on Thursday, the 26th of January. We'll get you all teed up, ready to go for the semi for the conference final the conference semifinals as well as the setup for the walleye and the jackets and um yeah that's pretty much going to wrap up all the offer we'll recap of course the lpga tournament event as well as the pga event that's happening right now as i'm watching it right here in the man cave studios here in west toledo ohio well, that's all the time I have for you guys tonight right here on All Andy Elford. I hope you enjoy it. Get outside and enjoy some of the nice warm weather. We're supposed to be getting some weird, severe storms tonight here in northwest Ohio. So keep your eyes weather aware when it comes to that. So until I talk to you guys next week, this is Andy Elford saying, I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together, the game of life. Keep your stick on the ice. And to the teams you root for at home. And to my teams, go Jackets! Get the job done tonight against Anaheim. Or maybe lose, and then maybe we'll get the, we'll get Connor Bernard. Go Walleye, get the job done out in Iowa. Let's go Buffalo, circle the wagons. And go Demon! Pull the upset. And go Falcons, because victory is sweetest. When you have tasted defeat, have a great week, everybody, and a great weekend. And I'll talk to you guys on Thursday, the 26th of January, for another edition of All Andy Offer, right here on the Anchor Network. I love you, babe. Talk to you then. This has been a presentation of the All Andy Offer Network, powered by Anchor. You have listened to tonight's show on the Anchor Network, whether it be on Apple Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Bleaker. Remember, you can follow the show on Twitter. It is at All Andy Offer. It is at all Andy Elford and Facebook.com slash all Andy Elford. Podcasts are recorded each week on the Anchor Network.